If you would turn in your Bibles to the book of Genesis. Genesis 19, starting on, which is on page 16 of your Pew Bibles. Let's read the first uh, 17 verses. The two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and bowed himself with his face to the earth and said, My lords, please turn aside to your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise up early and go your, own, your, go your way. They said, No, we will spend the night in the town square. But he pressed them strongly. So they turned aside to, to him and entered his house. And he made them a feast of, and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. But before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both young and old, all the people to the last man surrounded the house. And they called to Lot, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we might know them. Lot went out to the men at the entrance, shut the door after him, and said, I beg you, my brothers, do not act so wickedly. Behold, I have two daughters who have not known any man. Let me bring them out to you. And do to them as you please, only do nothing to these men, for they have come under the shelter of my roof. But they said, Stand back. And they said, This fellow's come to sojourn, and he has become the judge. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. Then they pressed hard against the man Lot and drew near to break the door down. But the men reached out um, their hands and brought Lot into the house with, with them and shut the door. And they struck with blindness the men who were at the entrance of the house, both small and great, so that they wore themselves out, groping for the door. Then the men said to Lot, Have you anyone else here, son-in-laws, sons, daughters, or anyone you have in the city? Bring them out of, of the place, for we are about to destroy this place, because the outcry against its people has become great before the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and said to his son-in-laws, who were to marry his daughters. Up, get out of this place, for the Lord is about to destroy the city. But he seemed to his son-in-laws to be jesting. As morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, Up, take your wife and your two daughters, who are here, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city. But he lingered. So the men seized him and his wife and his two daughters by by the hand, um, the Lord being merciful to him, and they brought him out and set, set him outside the city. And as they brought them out, one said, Escape for your life. Do not look back or stop anywhere in the, in the valley. Um, escape to the hills, lest you be swept away. I want to begin this morning by telling you a story. The story is uh, called The Call of the Barnyard. It was actually written by uh, Soren Kierkegaard, a 19th century Danish uh, theologian. A flock of ducks were flying in formation, heading south for the winter. They formed a beautiful, beautiful V in the sky and were admired by everyone who saw them from below. One day Wally, 
one of the wild ducks in the formation, spotted something on the ground that caught his eye. It was a barnyard with a flock of tame ducks who lived on the farm. They were waddling around on the ground, quacking merrily and eating corn that had been thrown to them. And Wally liked what he saw. It sure would be nice to have some of that corn, he thought to himself. And all this flying, it's really tiresome. I'd like to just waddle around for a while. So after thinking it over, Wally left the formation of wild ducks, made a sharp dive to the left, and headed for the barnyard. He landed among the tame ducks and began to waddle around and quack merrily. And he also started to eat lots of corn. The formation of wild ducks, they continued their journey south, but Wally didn't care. I'll rejoin them when they come back north in a few months, he said to himself. Well, several months went by, and sure enough, one day the wild ducks, they they appeared again in in formation heading north. To Wally, they looked beautiful up there in the sky. And Wally was tired of the barnyard. He was tired of swimming in the pig wallow, walking in the mud that was full of animal droppings. And it's time to leave, said Wally. So Wally flapped his wings furiously and tried to get airborne, but he only gained enough uh, air to slam right into the side of the barn. Apparently he had been eating too much of that corn. Well, after this, he decided, well... It wouldn't be so bad to stay here a few more months. When uh, my friends head south, that's when I'll join them. I'll become a wild duck again. But when the flock flew overhead once more, Wally again tried to get himself out of the barnyard. But he simply didn't have enough strength because he hadn't been flapping his wings. He he hadn't been exercising. and, And boy, he loved that corn. Every winter and spring, he saw his wild duck friends flying overhead. And they would call out to him. Eventually, Wally no longer paid any attention to the wild ducks flying overhead. He hardly even noticed them. He had, after all, become a barnyard duck. When I hear this story about Wally, I can't help but think that it's a good analogy of what we see going on in our our story this morning. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about um, Abram and, and Sarai, and, and we're going to get back to them, but we're, we're, we're going to take a break this week and, and, and talk about Lot. We've mentioned him, but um, we're going to focus on, on his life and, and hopefully learn from some of his mistakes. You might be tempted to think when you read a story like this, boy, I'm glad I'm, I'm not like Lot. I would never do what he did. But Paul warns in 1 Corinthians 10 that when you start living like the world, you start loving the things of the world, boy, it's, it's easy to become like the world. And that's why the Bible tells us to be in the world, but not of the world. That's something we as Christians, we need to fight all the time. Because it truly is a temptation. Instead, we need to do as Hebrews 10 23 instructs us. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as in, is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more 
as you see the day drawing near, the day of Christ's return. So how did Lot end up being part of a community like Sodom and Gomorrah? How was it possible that he strayed so far from the Lord? Let's spend a few moments looking at how the barnyard slowly became Lot's home. And the first thing I noticed about Lot's move to Sodom is really how gradual the move was. It happened a little bit at a time. It's like the, the, the frog in the, in the shallow dish or pan and you slowly put a fire source under it and the, the frog doesn't even know that he's getting cooked until it's too late. That's often how sin works. How could Wally the duck trade the, the, the lakes of the north with all the clean water for a barnyard swimming in a, in a pig wallow? One is clean. One is just it can be nasty. That's basically what Lot did. He made some poor choices over and over and over again. Second Peter 2.8 says that he was tormenting his righteous soul over, the, over their lawless deeds that, that he saw and heard. It bothered him, but he didn't do anything about it. He didn't move away. He didn't separate himself from it. But he allowed them to influence him. Despite his faith, Sodom began to fill his heart making it really a struggle to follow the Lord with your heart and soul and mind, like the Bible commands us to. When Abraham and Lot separated in chapter 13, Abraham gave Lot a choice. You can settle wherever you want. Abraham was trusting in the Lord. Well, Lot looked at the Jordan Valley and saw that it was good and that it was green and it was well watered and there were some people there and... So that's what he chose. He didn't choose to live there because that was the Lord's will. We never hear him ask the Lord what he thought. But he saw with his eyes and he desired it with his heart. And so that's eventually where, where Lot went. Second poor choice Lot made was when he pitched his tents just outside the city of Sodom. Why would Lot do this? Well, in chapter 14, we, we hear of how Lot and his family were taken captive and how Abraham and, and those men, we, we talked about that before, they came and, and rescued Lot. I'm sure Sodom looked good to Lot because it offered some protection. And that was probably the reason why he wanted to be close to the city despite all its problems. Problem is though, the longer he lived there, he started to become numb to sin. And it wasn't long before he was half-heartedly following the Lord. Now you might think I'm being maybe a little hard on Lot, but let's continue to look at the progression. He made away from the Lord. Remember we said in chapter 13, Lot was living outside the city, but in chapter 14, and we see in in our chapter this morning that now Lot is living 
in the city. And in the chapter we just read, he's now sitting at the gates of the city, which is where the elders sat. And so that tells us that to some degree, the people of Sodom had accepted Lot and his wife. And now he, he was in a, a position of respect. Sitting at the, the, the gates of the city is, is where you went for help in deciding matters. And, and that's where Lot was sitting when the angels came. Verse 2 tells us that Lot says to the angels, My lords, please turn aside to your servant's house. When the angels told Lot of his, their, their plans to just stay the night in the, in, in the square of the city, Lot pressed them strongly. Basically, Lot wasn't giving them a choice, which is really unusual. Why? These are strangers to, to Lot. I mean, he, he really doesn't know them. But yet, the, 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 the Hebrew here expresses the idea of Lot almost forced them to go into his house. Why would you do that to complete strangers? Well, Lot knew what was going to happen if these men stayed in the square of the city. What the men of the city would do to these newcomers. Verse 5 gives us a pretty good idea of, about how far Sodom had had fallen morally. I know that when we read verse 8, it, it really shocks us. When the men of the city showed up to molest these strangers, one of Lot's ideas was to give, him, give these men his, his daughters. And, and, and you read that and you think, what? How can that be? How, how can Lot actually do that? But in order to understand this, you, you, you need to understand something about the culture of the Middle East, which is still true today. That when you're invited into somebody's house, As a guest, the family is promising to protect you and give their lives in order to keep you safe. We don't often think of it that way, but it's it's that strong in this culture. Thankfully, this didn't have to happen because the angels intervened. The men were going to take Lot, and, and again, Lot thought that he was accepted by the, the, the men of the city, that he was respected. But in this moment, as, as um, Lot says no to these men, they get angry with, with Lot. And so then they want Lot himself. If it wasn't for the, the angels inter, intervening and, and, and making those around the doorway blind, they, 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 they probably would have been able to get, get a hold of Lot. But the angels pull everybody into the doors and, and locks it. Amazing. Isn't that a lot like the, the duck in the barnyard? Swimming in the, in the pig wallow, surrounded by the, the filth of the water, the filth of that place. In New Mexico, we usually raised a hog every year for, uh, for food. And... and Hogs really do get a bad rap because they're a lot cleaner than people think. But still, when there was a good rainstorm, it stunk. That, where, where the hog lived, it, it just permeated the ground and it just seemed to, to rise up. 
I had a pastor friend who was uh, um, pastoring a church in Kansas, and uh, there was a, a big hog farmer in his church, and invited him one day to come see and tour the facility. And, and so Bob did this, and the coat he decided to wear that day was a suede leather coat. Well, he got to tour the facility, but he couldn't get the smell off that, that suede coat. And, and even though he, he had it uh, dry cleaned a number of times, he finally had to get rid of it because he couldn't get the smell out of it. But the, the, the surprising thing was uh, the farmer who owned the hogs in the barn and everything, he couldn't smell a thing. As they say in Iowa, it smelled like money, right? <laughs> or maybe you've never been to Iowa and heard them say that. It sounds a lot like, like Lot. But rather than a, a, a physical smell, there was a, a spiritual stink that permeated everything. And yet it seemed to, he, to be that, that Lot and his wife and his daughters, they, they had become immune to it. And they really couldn't smell it much anymore. They had become numb to sin. And even though this sin was happening all around them, maybe not in their house, but all around them, after a while you just kind of get used to it. You become numb to it. Just like it's so easy for us to become numb to things that we see on TV and, and, and what would have never been allowed 40 years ago is often now commonplace. You can't help but smell like the place that you live in. Clearly, this, this didn't happen overnight, but it was a process that took years. But I think the most telling sign that Lot and his family had become half-hearted in, the, in their faith was the way they, they reacted to the angel's message that they needed to leave because there was a coming judgment. They needed to leave, especially after seeing what the angels did to those men who were standing around their, their doorway at the beginning and, and made them blind. Clearly, this was not a, a, an empty threat, but there was power. These men were from, from God. And even when Lot invited his son-in-laws to escape with them, they weren't willing to go because they thought, Lot was joking. That Lot wasn't serious. And that tells us a lot about, about Lot. That he had kind of dropped the ball, didn't he? Spiritually. He should have been a light. He should have been instructing his family, his wife, his daughters, his son-in-laws. He should have been in, in, influencing them. But it doesn't appear that he did the best job at that. Instead of having a light shining brightly, it was more of a, a night light. Instead of being salt, it was more like no salt. And so his son-in-laws chose not to come with him. Then Lot and his wife's reaction. Listen again to verse 16. When Lot hesitated, the angels grasped the hands of his family and led them safely out of the city. Verse 17, the angels say to him, flee for your lives. Don't look back and don't stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the mountains or you will be swept away. How does Lot respond to the urgency of the angels? 
that they got to escape. They, they, they got to get out of there because judgment is coming. Well, we're told they drag their feet. Verse 18 tells us that he and his family, they're, they're still reluctant to leave. They don't want to leave their stuff. They don't want to leave their house. They don't want to leave their friends. They don't want to lose, leave their, their, the influence they have there and what they had put together. Lot wanted to stay in the barnyard. Because after all, Lot was a barnyard duck, wasn't he? You could say they, they, they bought the same lie that I think Christians often believe today. Sure, the Lord's coming in judgment, but it's a long time. It'll be a long time from now. It won't happen soon. It won't happen this week. It won't happen tomorrow. It won't happen today. It's in the future sometime. So we don't have to worry about it. And that's a mistake. Listen to the warning that Jesus gave in Luke 17, verse 26. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so also it will be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating and drinking, marrying and being given in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same way in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. The entire town. Lot and his wife, they could have been a light in this immoral and evil town, but they, 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 they weren't. They forgot. They could have lived out their faith. But they chose to become more like the people that they were living with. Maybe not to the degree that the town had become that immoral, but still, it's clear that they had become a lot like them. Despite Lot trying to warn his son-in-laws, their unwillingness to leave, I mean, that, that's just so telling. Clearly, something hadn't been communicated. Deuteronomy 6 tells us that we're to train up our children. We're, we're to teach them. No matter where we go, no matter what we're doing, everything, we, we should point their eyes upward to the Lord. That didn't happen. Lot smelled too much like the place that he was living in. And so his son-in-laws, they, they really didn't respect what he had to say. And at the end of this chapter, we see how, how strong of a hold Sodom had on the hearts of, of his family. Verse 26 tells us his wife turns into a pillar of salt because her desire for what she was leaving, made her turn around and, and look back. If we kept reading, we would also see that her daughters, his daughters did some things that were very immoral and that were forbidden according to God's Word. When you think of what Psalm 1 
says about an upright man, I, I, I think what we see happening here is, is just the opposite. Lot had walked in the counsel of the wicked, stood in the way of sinners, and sat down in the seat of mockers. His delight was in the law of, his delight was not in the law of the Lord, and he was certainly not meditating on it day and night. He was not like a tree planted by streams of living water, rather his leaves they were withering. And the fruit that was on his branches, it was really sparse. Like you could say that Lot and his wife and family, they were close to being like the chaff which the wind blows away. I'm sure Lot never thought he would stay in the barnyard as long as he did, but boy, that's the power of sin, isn't it? So how do you get that stinky mud off? How do you find the courage to leave the barnyard and begin to live again for the Lord? You know, at the beginning of, of my, my message, I was thinking of changing the end of the story and saying that one day the farmer came and got Wally, caught him, and, and chopped his head off and ate him for dinner. It'd be kind of a, a fitting way for that story to end, but that's not how the story goes. He just became a barnyard duck. And I think it's easy for us to do the same. Often it's not dramatic for us. It's not fire falling from heaven. It's a, it, it, it's a person silently drifting away from the Lord a little at a time. Not overnight, but a little at a time. Becoming more and more like the world around them. And it's clear that Lot, for a brief time, forgot his first love. And his family suffered for it. But despite everything Lot had done, or didn't do, in verse 16, we're told that Lot and his wife and the family, they received mercy and grace. They were offered salvation. Did they deserve it? Clearly not. But God offered them salvation. He offered them grace. In Psalm 40, David, unable to escape from the slimy pit of sin and guilt, he confesses his sin and, and then look at this good news that's told to us there. First couple of verses. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy bit, pit, out of the mud and mire, and set my feet on the rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. All of us, we know the ugliness of sin. Whether it's lying or stealing or being disrespectful to others or living out a homosexual lifestyle or breaking one of the other commandments. Sin is sin in God's eyes. And we all fall short of it at times. And we all need to be rescued, just as Lot was rescued. That's the good news about the salvation that we find in Jesus. Someone did come and was able to hose us off and, 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 and completely get rid of the smell of sin off our bodies, off our hearts, 
And Jesus gave us new robes to wear. Robes of righteousness. Robes that, were, that are white and clean. Hebrews 10.22, it says, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. The living water of Jesus. That's the only thing that can cleanse us and take away our sin. It's Jesus. And it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what's in your past. In Jesus Christ, there is forgiveness. You're made righteous. So that when God looks at you, He doesn't see your sin. Do you know that? For those of you who are believers here, when God looks at you, rather than see your sin, He sees the righteousness of Jesus. Oh, we've got to take care of that problem of sin because that sin puts us out of fellowship with God, but still our, our salvation is secure when we've made Jesus our Lord and Savior. Only Jesus can take the mud of sin off of us. Only Jesus can offer us freedom. In Christ, we can fly again so that we're not barnyard ducks. As the certainty of judgment approaches, we have work to do. And we have little time to do it in. There are many who have lived in the barnyard all their lives. Will you be willing to share the living bread of Jesus with them and offer them the living water that only Christ provides? The water that can make the foulest clean, the Bible says. To those who have no hope, will you offer them the love of, the love of Christ? This week we have an opportunity to do that, don't we? To show the love of Christ to those kids that come. May we do it with joy. May we do it with a smile on our faces. And sure, having a lot of kids around, it can get a little frustrating at times, but that's okay. They're here. We're influencing them. We're telling them the good news of Jesus. This is something to celebrate. And this is something to, to not just watch from afar, but to get involved in. Because the seeds that are being planted, the children who give their, their, their lives to the Lord, that's what this is all about. So that they might join us one day before the throne of God through the strength of the Holy Spirit. May we be faithful. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we just thank you for your word and thank you, Lord, for the lesson we can learn from the life of Lot and his family. Lord, we know that we too struggle with sin. Lord, sometimes it can get pretty stinky in our lives and we ask your forgiveness for that. We just pray that you might wash us and make us righteous, Jesus. Cleanse us in a way that You alone can. And then, then this gift of salvation that we've received, may we not just keep it to ourselves, but may we be willing to share it with those around us. Father, we pray that they'll know we are Christians by our love. 
We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Nothing.